0: Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Retro Encounter.
1: 69, dude!
0: <laughs> RPG <laughs> Fans Weekly Podcast, I'm Mike Solosi, and uh, joining me is the Ted to my bill, I guess, Robert Steinman. No way! <laughs> I fell out of the armor, dude! <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alright, uh, Rob, making your triumphant return to this podcast I guess you're only allowed to be on episodes about Dragon Quest or Diablo and I'm not sure, sure how that worked out exactly
1: Well, you haven't had a Yakuza podcast yet so we when haven't you start, but when, when you start going down the magic of Kiryu Kazuma Then apparently I need to show up
0: like Majima and talk about it Never say never, and I will keep that in mind for when I'm planning out the next few months But joining Rob and I is another Rob, Rob Rogan
2: Hey, how you guys doing?
0: All right, it's been a minute since I uh, saw you on the podcast, Rob. I think it was the last one was the FF7 episode over the summer?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been a while.
0: All right, always too long. And joining Rob Rob, and I is Alana. Your name isn't Rob.
3: Isn't. Hey, everyone.
0: <laughs> and making his Retro Encounter debut, a uh, relatively recent review hire to RPG fan, Zach Wilkerson. Hi there, everyone. Okay, now... We are going to belie that retro adjective in this podcast name and talk about a game that came out in the United States mere months ago. Dragon Quest XI. Basically, from the moment I finished it in October, I immediately wanted to podcast about it. And uh, so I asked around the RPG fan staff and was able to find four other willing partners to jab about it on a podcast podcast. Let's go through how each of us experienced Dragon Quest XI, just uh, around when you played it and what your early thoughts on it were. Uh, Rob, I'm going to go with you first, Rob Rogan that is, because you wrote art, uh, the RPG fan official review for Dragon Quest XI. You gave it a very nice score, and also probably got to play it a little bit earlier than the rest of us since you used a code. Uh, what was your overall feeling about it?
2: Uh, Yeah, I got it maybe, maybe mid-August. Um. I've... I put a lot of hours into it in a very little, very small time frame. Um, but I basically immediately fell in love with it. Uh, it really didn't take long for, for, for me to latch on to, you know, the world, the characters, uh, just everything about it just blew me away essentially immediately. Um, and yeah, so I uh, hopefully conveyed that, conveyed my love of the game uh, through my review. Um, and it would have actually probably gotten a little bit higher if it wasn't for uh, for that music, you know. But, uh... <laughs> oh, we will have <laughs> plenty of time to clown
0: on Dragon Quest XI's audio, um, but before that, uh, let's move to a different Rob. Rob Steinman, what, what were your early thoughts on Dragon Quest XI?
1: Uh, so I picked it up on Steam. So this this was actually a cool moment where it's the first Dragon Quest game on PC in the West, first mainline Dragon Quest uh,
0: game on PC. Yeah, a few of the uh, really old ones were on like MSX computers in the 80s, yeah. but uh, but the, I mean that doesn't really count for our purposes.
1: Yeah, and and it played very, very well on Steam. I was getting, you know, really good 60 frames per second. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I was spending most of my time playing it on my Steam link uh, in my living room. And I think just about every hour I had free, I was trying to fire this game up and just play for a little bit because I was just absolutely enthralled with it. Uh, it's the big Dragon Quest, like Super Dragon Quest Eight, I think is how Derek described it at one point. Uh, it's the big, giant Dragon Quest Eight that I wanted back in 2005 when I played Dragon Quest Eight. It just took them, what, almost 13 years to get it into my hands? That that
0: seems appropriate. Zach, um, how did you approach Dragon Quest Eleven from the start?
4: Uh, well, I mean, uh, it was a game that I knew I was going to love before I bought it, um, and so I... Uh... Very impatiently waited at my GameStop for them to sell it to me, like at exactly nine o'clock the day that it came out, and then I might not have slept the rest of the evening while I was playing it. Um, definitely aren't didn't sleep. You, aren't early. you a teacher? Uh, yeah. Is,
0: is, uh, didn't this no come out during here. the school year? <laughs> yep.
4: <laughs> I managed to knock it all out in about two weeks. Um, so yeah, needless to say, I loved it.
0: This is, I guess, this podcast is forty percent educators this time. So I'm not, no, no judgment, of course. Well, thank you, uh, Alana. Your turn. How do, um, around when did you get to Dragon Quest Eleven, and what were your overall impressions?
3: Uh, much later than everybody else. Well, about a month, so I didn't actually get around to it until October. But again, kind of like Zach, I just pretty much plowed through it. I was really needing Dragon Quest. I've, I don't know about everybody else here, but I've only played two other Dragon Quest games, and Dragon Quest Eleven felt like a hey, exactly, like is rob said Derek's little quote for super dragon quest 8 and that was exactly the impression i got so i was like no i need this because i wanted to replay 8 anyway this nailed it like i couldn't put it down for at least three weeks i want to say um i platinumed it as well um under 100 hours just about so i was pretty enthralled with it for the whole time and maybe a bit of a wobble midway through but uh yeah absolutely loved
0: it Cool and well, I, this is going to be a very positive podcast episode for the most part, I guess, because I also played this and loved it. I played it slightly late because I um I had a commitment to finish Sweeken and Two for the podcast, and I uh, and and that was right when Dragon Quest Eleven came out, so I pl- I didn't start it until about two weeks after I bought it. But upon starting it, it was all I wanted to do besides eat and sleep, and um sometimes maybe for forgo one of those four tra- more Dragon Quest Eleven. And I finished it in probably about three weeks. It took me just over 100 hours, like 104 or something. And I also got the Platinum Trophy. Yeah, I think I I finished up
1: at about 80 hours, but I played it over the span of like a month and a half. Uh, Just my school schedule was so bad. But I I found it very digestible in that way. Like you always hear on uh, lots of other podcasts, like Ape 4 Play, they talk about how in Japan, Dragon Quest is like the game that you play for an hour or two before you go to bed. And that's kind of how I sort of played it. Was just like an hour or two here and there. Like, oh, I've got a free morning. I'll play for a little bit. I never really had a marathon moment with it. It just was like an hour or two every night, and I really enjoyed it. It was very digestible in that way.
0: Yeah. Um. This. Uh, this Dragon Quest might be even more so like that than any in the past because there's more save points. Yeah. And um. <laughs> and the things. Uh, things like side quests and uh, individual tasks are. Um. Not in an ugly way, but sort of segmented a little bit. Like, uh, it's very easy to say, to accomplish a goal like, I'm gonna get to the next save point, or I'm gonna craft this item, or I'm gonna do this side quest, and then have that be your your 90 minutes of gameplay for the day. It's. Th- there's a lot to do in this game, and it's all sensibly organized in a way that feels a little bit less cluttered than, say, an Assassin's Creed game, with better quest organization than, say, uh, a different open world interpretation of a popular colorful game I'm I'm trying. I'm talking about Breath of the Wild here I think the other fact
1: and, and I know you have an entire setup here but it doesn't really fit in so I'm just going to throw it out there the signposting in this game is so good in that they tell you you know who's the person in town that you need to talk to to keep the story going when we talked about Dragon Quest 7 that game even the 3DS remake was really rough in that area like oh you need to talk to this this dog on the second floor of the house in order to get the cutscene to open up the dungeon to keep moving
0: forward in the game. And if you don't talk to him, you're never going to move forward. I, I think it, the worst Dragon Quest game like that is 6. six. I, oh, I, I, I got... I got lost in certain towns in six, trying to figure out where to go next. And uh um, yeah. I, I wish that had more modern signposting. Yeah, but very good. Uh, sorry, eleven
1: is very good with its signposting and making sure that you're always keeping that story going forward, which is just awesome. And how the hell are we ten minutes into the show and we haven't talked about Silvando
0: yet? Okay, well, we'll, we will get to Silvando. But
1: I should have. I, I I was supposed to say hello, darlings, as soon as the podcast started. I I missed it. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, I'm a me
3: too. It's I'm a fine.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, one other thing um, about the signposting: whenever you fire up your save, it gives you a the story thus far, little yep. bit of narration yep. in a, in f- maybe three or four dialogue windows, which is very helpful if you don't remember exactly what you were doing last, or if you are picking up the game for uh, the first time in a long time. It's there's it's very very player friendly in a way that does I, I don't think felt handholdy. They no, they, they let you no. do what you want for the most part. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Also, first
1: game to have those uh, updates, those recaps since Metal Gear Solid for me. The original <laughs> Metal Gear Solid did that, and they were very well written. And these were also very well
0: written. Right on. And also, I guess one more thing. Uh, some pe- one complaint I've heard about Dragon Quest Eleven is it's, is that it's too easy. But they mitigate that with that with the draconian options at the begin oh, at the very beginning of the game. <laughs> you can make the you can make this game very hard on yourself if you choose all of the all of the like. The challenge checkboxes right at the beginning. There's no way somebody can beat that the the game with all those on. Like the you're
1: always level one. You can't equip items. Like what? It's I'm like... sure
0: there's some jerk on Reddit that claims he's done that and that everyone else is a coward for not doing it. But whatever, man. <laughs> n- none of those are cool. none of those are attached to trophies. So forget him. I'll have this I'm nice playing... cuddly adventure where
1: I can get all the items. I'm not playing the dragon, the Dark Souls of Dragon Quest. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs>
0: not going to do that. Nope. The areas are open and navigable enough that it might be the dark, the Dark Souls of Dragon Quest. A little bit. Keep going.
1: Keep going. It's oh God. I just I want to gush about this game so much. Let's pick a topic. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> Let's.
0: I think the most important thing of a of a long RPG is characters because you're spe- you're going to be spending a lot of time with the same core group of characters, and if and if they're unlikable or annoying, then it it makes everything worse. I, I love the cast in this game.
1: It's, I I. Yeah, I, I think the only one that maybe got on my nerves a little bit was Veronica. That That's the only one. I don't like that tropey, you know, shrill, you know. But her dance animation
0: down. is so cute. No, it's really <laughs> good. It's really good.
1: And, and there's payoff with her story, like a complete gut punch later in the game. And I think we better put a marker here that we are going to spoil the hell out of this game. So yeah,
0: let's let's oh yes, we are going to spoil everything about Dragon Quest XI. If you are concerned about Dragon Quest XI spoilers, do not continue any further. Uh, I, I think let, let's let's avoid talking about the the big mid game turn and the eighth character until later. But the the first seven sure. that appear on the loading screen, even I, I think, are just they're awesome. And uh, one other aside, Dragon Quest XI is very deliberately a reference and a subversion to Dragon Quest III. Uh, dragon Quest III is sort of famously the, like, like it's sort of like the or dragon Quest. It was the first one that uh, that where they implemented that rule of only releasing the game on weekends. Um, it was sort of considered the standard, the gold standard of Dragon Quest for a long time. It always shows up near the top of popularity polls. And each character in the game, plus one NPC, represents one of the Dragon Quest III uh, classes.
1: hmm
0: um, the, I mean, uh, Dirk the Merchant, <laughs> who's a uh, uh, Eric's buddy from early on, is the only one that isn't playable. But the other eight playable characters are each a Dragon Quest three class, and I, I I think it's kind of adorable. Yeah, yeah, I I think that you have Eric, who
1: is your your kind of thief character, and we all kind of commented on his voice acting was maybe the most questionable in the game. Not not really the voice actor's fault, but the decision to have a primarily British cast. And then this guy who's talking like he's from Brooklyn, and it, it was, it it felt a little off. But I think the actor was trying to do as great of a job as he could. I think the rest of the voice acting in the game varied from good to great, but he was kind of the only one that like grated on my nerves a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, they do the thing yeah. that uh, Dragon, modern Dragon Quest has done from eight onward, where every town represents a sort a. Uh... Uh, uh, the, everyone speaks English, but is an, but is accented from another language. And I think they they wanted like the uh, the slums of Heliodor to be American style, but it didn't really work with a British actor trying to do that American affect.
2: I agree. I, I felt like he was um, the most awkward anytime there was a remotely sort of cringeworthy delivery. It, t- to me, it was probably probably usually Eric, um, but not but not not awful by any means. You know.
0: No, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it was just a maybe one weakness in an otherwise really, really excellent uh, uh, voice direction. And I think only the international versions of the game have voice acting. It's it's uh, it's a bunch of silent people in the Japanese version. Yeah, and the, the Switch version is going to get Japanese
1: voice acting. And it was real fun seeing on, like, Steam message board uh, forums. I couldn't tell if people were trolling or not, but they were like, unless they include the Japanese dialogue, I'm not playing it. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, guys, like... It doesn't actually exist <laughs> like, just throwing yeah. it out there uh but yeah the switch version uh is going to get voice acting
0: I, I ran into that in a forum decades ago where someone asking if there was a version of devil may cry 3 with a japanese voice language track but uh <laughs> but 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 no drag, no devil may cry game ever had uh, a japanese voice language track they they only recorded english and and dante. even in... dante yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so it's not as valued in Dragon Quest, uh, in Japan as as it is in English, because I mean uh, they there was no Japanese voice acting in Dragon Quest Eight either. I think until the three DS version. Probably.
3: I mean, yeah. I mean they're super Sorry. they're super about Dragon Quest over there, aren't they? It has right, to yeah. be this, and it has to have this music, and it has to have this style of dialogue and things, and it's just if, if, if even the you menus. Anything? Yeah, even the menus. Yeah, which they changed for the um, international release as well. Like they have to be. They have to fit into this mold of what is Dragon Quest? And they have literally, I feel like there's a checklist that they're like, yep, it's got this, it's got this, it's got this. It's all done, it's perfect. And it's like, they made that nicer for us. And yeah, I, I always appreciate that.
0: Because, and and yeah. I, I think the Dragon Quest creators uh, wanted to do that. Like, because Yuji Hori was... Uh... Over, because Dragon Quest XI came out in uh, the summer of 2017 in Japan, he was excited about bringing it to an uh, international audience, and was even on like the stream announcement that it was coming to the West. And uh, I, I don't think he has a problem with making changes. To he just wants that larger audience to get it.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
4: Right. I mean, like even running, I think, was exclusive to our version as well.
0: Right. The faster movement on a horse was true in the Japanese version, but the the auto dash is was uh, an addition for the international version. Yeah. And, and that's one of those additions
1: that if that was not in the version that we played, it, it might have been a little rough because some of the maps are really big yeah. and you are just doing a lot of walking, which is cool for scale and it's cool for a cinematic quality, but I think one of the things that I noticed when I played Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS was how much speeding up the battle animations made that game so snappy and so much more mm-hmm. playable. Instead of spending 70 hours with that game, I beat it in like 30 or 35, which was awesome.
0: Dragon Quest XI, I think, does... Make very deliberate actions to speed up um, a series that is sometimes uh, a- accused of being too slow. Like you're, mm-hmm. you can you can avoid random encounters easily. There's uh, or I should say there's no random encounters, and it's and it's easy to avoid enemies in the field if you want to. You can even run them straight over with your horse if you want to, uh, if you don't want to deal with them that way either. Uh, but it also makes it more challenging to avoid enemies in dungeons, which is probably you know a conscious design decision. But uh, you can also skip animations for the pep powers, which are the longest animated attacks for anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's it's mm-hmm. a lot of nice small changes in Dragon Quest XI, some of which are in both versions, some of which were some of which were added to the international version. That I I, I appreciated basically all of them. Like I, when I could see when I would play something and and sort of think about it, like oh yeah, they probably this was a conscious design decision for player for player ease or comfort i i i liked it every time it's i, I want all dragon quest games to play like 11 now it'll yeah. be it'll be weird replaying 4 5 6 7 and not and uh having to deal with random encounters and uh right. wonky animations and you know no silvando nope.
3: Yeah, i can't <laughs> do that
0: and the uh the game saves when you turn it off
1: i know how dumb that sounds but like not having to go to a church and like, say, I would like to quit my game, you know, do that whole rigmarole. And that's a carryover from the the handheld games, where you could put it into suspend mode nice and easy and then pick it up where you wanted to. Just the saving in the game felt really good. It was always auto-saving. There was no risk of losing anything. Uh, I, I think my only real issue with uh, the accessibility features that they put into it, when you eventually get the magic key, and you can open up the red doors mm-hmm. uh, or the locked doors later in the game – if you look at the map when you're in the area, you can see the doors. But if you try to like scroll around, which is not a very good menu, like going in between the different maps and areas, if you try to go to different maps and areas, those doors will not show up. That was like the only thing that really annoyed me was like, I have to visit the area to see if there's any doors. I can't just look at the map from the map screen and see them. And it's a minor issue, but that was just a little frustrating. Like,
0: (laughs) Hey, I'll, 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 Deal with that if it means I get campfires to to save and forge at.
1: Yeah, with a great uh, armor mini game, which ended up being a lot of fun and like rage-inducing in moments when you just go too far and you get. It's the gambling aspect of Dragon Quest. That always comes in. Like, are you tough enough for these fights? Are you tough enough for this boss? Are you good enough with your with your crafting to be able to make this ultimate weapon? And there's a lot of different avenues. Whereas old Dragon Quest games, you kind of just had to spend money to get the better equipment, and that's how you beat the game. I I don't think I bought like hardly anything over the course of the entire game. I just made everything. I just crafted the whole
0: way. Through. I didn't buy anything unless, yeah. uh, let's say, outside the first ten hours. Unless mm-hmm. it was the only way to get something like uh in in the in the one town that's like fake venice uh I mean Dragon quest three uh sorry Dragon Quest eleven is divided into basically three acts in each act there's a special piece of armor you can get by haggling between two merchants
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'. that that's a- one of you.
0: Yeah, and uh, and it, so it's the cat suit at the beginning, and um, Hendrix armor in the middle, and the uh, a really good piece of armor for Jade at the at the end, uh, and like uh, other than that, I don't think I did hardly any armor buying, um, just ingredient, just some ingredient buying, over the course of the game. Because sometimes just the easiest way to get a a, ma- a magic beast hide is to go to the one cap- campfire where you can buy a magic beast hide.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep
0: yep yep and then i think the crafting materials
1: become more readily available later in the game thanks to a shop and also they're just dropped more often and you can get around the world a lot easier in typical dragon quest fashion you get the zoom spell so like all that stuff actually becomes easier and easier as the game goes on
0: yeah i didn't i didn't realize that uh uh that, that you could summon your flying item uh from the from the menu until very late in the game so i would i would, uh, <laughs> I, I would yeah. zoom i would zoom to the area where you meet the flying thing and then use the, and then use that altar for at least a few hours before I, before <laughs> oh, i realized God. i could just do it from the menu i'm so,
3: I'm so glad you said that because so did i <laughs> i went to I the news landing every time and was like call Cetatia. and then it was only when i went into the key items menu i was like oh the flute. i wonder if i can use it here. oh yeah right
0: that, that happened to me it was at least a few hours i don't know how long exactly I didn't
4: know it until just now, so yes, you guys same. don't know
0: that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep, yep, I didn't know either, I didn't know either. I kept going back to that damn altar over Yep,
1: there.
4: every time.
0: As as Wait, long as I'm you're not in a cave, as long as you're in a town or in the overworld, I think you can use that item in any of those places. <laughs> Are you well, okay? Well, I'll, I'll live. <laughs> so, let's go back to the beginning a little bit, um... Dragon Quest XI starts a lot like Dragon Quest III. Uh, you 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 wake up and you um, explore your hometown a little bit. And uh, in Dragon Quest XI, you you're doing a uh, coming of age ceremony with your uh, with your f- boring friend, who I wish wasn't the only marriage option in the game. Uh, okay, that was a little bit pointed. She's Sorry. cute.
3: She's she, cute. She's pretty she's cute. Fine. She's loyal. Well. She ha- she has a dog. <laughs>
0: Yes. Who
1: would you have rather <laughs> married besides Silvando? Let's be Jade. honest here. Jade. Yeah. Jade and keep the dog. No, <laughs> Sylvando. Sylvando. Sorry. Sorry. I'm t- I'm too gay for him.
0: Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So, anyway, regardless, you're go through a coming of age ceremony. Your uh, your mother tells you uh, tells you that you're actually special. Uh, she's not your real mother. You were adopted, and uh, you. Come to understand that you are the Luminary, a special chosen one destined to defeat uh, the demons that have been occasionally plaguing the land. So you go to the big kingdom of Heliodor to talk to the king. Again, just like Dragon Quest Three, you go to the big kingdom to talk to the king at the very beginning. But instead of Dragon Quest Three, where the king sends, sends you on a quest, this king decides, you know, the Luminary only appears when the demons appear, so how do we know the Luminary isn't with the demons? And you get thrown into the dungeon. Not exactly the same as the beginning of Dragon Quest III. Uh, you, for the rest of the game, uh, you, you meet the thief, Eric, and you escape from the dungeon. And you become a hunted hero with the Knights of Heliodor, led by uh, Jasper and Hendrik, um, as antagonists throughout the game. And as, as you're sort of running from the knights and trying to figure out how to uh, more about the demons, you meet a group of six people who... Who believe in the luminary and want to and want to help him, starting with Eric and eventually going through uh let's see Veronica Serena, Silvando, Rab, and Jade, each of whom is kind of like one of the classes in Dragon Quest three, so I mean, we talked about Silvando a little bit already uh besides Silvando, who's your favorite character? do you think
1: well i'm I'm annoyed that uh Rab. Rab's real name uh, prevented me from using <laughs> right. my name oh, in yeah. Dragon Quest XI, which was one of the most hilarious moments this game I've been waiting years for, and I put in Robert, because that's always my my hero's name in Dragon Quest, and the game's like, nope. Uh, and I think they did eventually patch that uh because Rab's real name is uh is lord robert
0: yep he's uh, he 's the former king Robert in fact
1: yep yep uh well, you know the, uh, great Roberts think alike, and we got like forty seven of them on the, the website now <laughs> um, so that was that was a little frustrating uh in terms of you know silvando 's obviously the best character um I, I think mechanically, I have to go with super Serena. Because by the end of Act Two, Serena is a damn god. (laughs) Like she just Mm -hmm. annihilates everything.
0: Uh, I think I could with with the double skill tree and crazy stats and like almost every offensive and defensive spell in the game, holy crap, Super Serena is OP yeah,
1: she, She's basically a Super Saiyan uh, at that point, uh, w- which is really good. I also like Rab and just the the going back and forth between his character, uh, kind of being the the typical Master roshi is lecherous old man, but also kind of being the Paragon, Voice of Truth, Yoda like character for the group as well Yeah, he, uh,
0: He's wise and smart and a, and a bit of a paternal figure but who also loves Bunny Girl girls and keeps dirty magazines in his robes. Yeah he... he's
3: a true Scotsman
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah yeah and, and Dundrasil the kingdom he's from is uh is the Scottish accent town. And his uh his his son in law has a, a real sexy Scottish accent. I, I enjoy oh, that yeah. very much. Oh
3: yeah I do like I do like your father. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What okay, because in case I wasn't clear before, the Luminary is secretly the Prince of Dundrasil, who uh, um, escaped who escaped Dundersil when it was overrun by demons, which would make uh, uh, Rab his grandfather, uh, and and his parents both deceased. But what were their names?
2: Erwin and uh, Irwin and Eleanor or Eleanor? Eleanor's right. That sounds Eleanor's right.
0: right. Uh, I guess Erwin is. I, I'm I'm wondering if that's too similar to Erdwin, who was the name of the there, hero from a, th- a thousand years ago. I love the translation and the
1: localization in this game, but there are way too many errs for this game's own good. <laughs> too many like, irs it,
0: and ers, yeah.
1: Like, it gets really confused, especially toward the end of the game when they start making connections
0: to other Dragon Quest games, and you're like, wait, erd er- er- hood now? Like, it- it's. And there's also Eric it- and Hendrik, which is weird because Hend- Hendrik's real name, uh, Hendrik's Japanese name was Greg. So, 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 so it's, like, it's like, maybe they thought Greg wasn't cool enough, but now but Hendrik sounds too similar to Erdwin and Eric. It's mm-hmm. also more confusing, because
1: Hendrik gets the outfit from Dragon Quest three for a while, and then the hero gets the real outfit from Dragon Quest three, <laughs> And so it's like... Wait, what? It's basically Hendrik was
0: cosplaying as the, <laughs> All right, well, the Dragon uh, Quest Three hero. <laughs> Hendrik joins the team later, and and he's the hero of the of a town of refugees. So he has a simil- he has an outfit similar to the Dragon Quest Three heroes outfit. But later in the game, um, Hendrik's ultimate armor looks like the giant, uh, like the sort of red magenta armor of a Dragon Quest Three warrior, because he's he sort of represents that class, and uh, and. The hero's main armor is a much more like a much shinier version of the Dragon Quest three color color combination. It's I, I, they are really smart with the DQ three references in this game.
1: They, I took a Hendrix armor to be more like uh, what's his face from Dragon Quest four the uh, the Scottish uh, knight that you control. Yeah, which um, I uh, Ragnar McRyan, who also yeah, who, who also he, Dragon Quest three. Yeah, III yeah, yeah he's
0: also a Dragon Quest three warrior. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it, but it's just all those callbacks are are great because they're they're wonderful for fans. But they they kind of follow the Marvel rule where they don't take away. If you don't get the reference, you're not completely lost. You know, they, oh yeah, they're, not, yeah, yeah. they're not doing something that you you feel like you have to go and visit a wiki to understand.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, while we're talking about Hendrik, I think. My favorite character other than Sylvando, because we, we will get to silvando don't you worry is either, <laughs> is uh, either Hendrick or Jade because I sort of like how no nonsense both of them are uh, they, they should have know. gotten together yeah yeah you know For i sure. wouldn't be opposed to that um but but the uh but like like uh, Hendrick is a very serious knight stereotype who they uh who but in, in a way that is sort of cool and loyal and him you know uh his world crumbling a little bit at at the end of act 1 and then him rededicating himself to the right cause ma- makes me made me like him a lot uh and and jade like she's she's sort of the sex appeal character but didn't but wasn't obnoxious about it for the most time i just mostly just uh loved how ass kicking she was she's yeah. she's yeah. just awesome in combat uh maybe mm-hmm. not by the maybe by the end of the game uh, eric and hendrik are a little bit better for single-target damage, but I thought Jade was just so fun to use. All of her, all three of her, or all four of her uh, skill trees were great.
4: Yeah, and, and besides the stuff with Act Two with her, which I thought was a little problematic, yeah, she was my favorite character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, they did transform her into a vampire bunny girl, but uh, then she sort of turns it on its head and uses those evil powers for good for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I don't know how yeah. I, I feel about brutal. that.
3: I was going to oh. say I think my issue with that bit is that every other character got a story arc based on their backstory. She had a little bit in the Luminaries chapter with um where her um the Luminaries parents were killed and the castle was destroyed and she had to run away with um uh, the luminary's father, but mother, um, but yeah, her chapter is like her being a sexy evil bunny, and I was just like, Oh, come on, like, really? <laughs> like, I mean, I absolutely adore and would die for Jade every day, but like, yeah, I was just really disappointed with that. But she's super fun to use in battle, and like, she killed so many metal slimes for me, and I love her. So,
2: <laughs> I use her a lot in battle, I, th- I, th- she- I thought she was super effective in battle as-, as a character, um, during combat, but I don't know, I found. Out of all out of, out of the cast, I found Jade to be the most bland. Honestly, I mean, like like Alana was saying, she didn't have the uh, the best you know um, personal arc. But I I just kind of found I found her kind of bland um, when taken as a whole. Um, but I, I actually really liked outside of Silvando, I actually really liked Rab as well, and he had he had probably the mo- the most uh, poignant kind of emotional moments throughout the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. Uh, yeah, him us,
0: him uh, reminiscing about his daughter and his fallen kingdom. Yeah, were, they, they were heavy. Yeah. they were very, very heavy.
2: Yeah, and 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 uh, probably the most emotional um, outside of a few you know larger scenes um, throughout the whole game. I think.
1: I, I think jade a lot of jade 's characterization comes in the conversations at the campfire and the uh the party talk, which yeah. I, I keep forgetting to do in Dragon Quest games, and I know how stupid I am, like especially in Dragon Quest Six, you get almost no characterization for anybody unless you do party talk mm-hmm. uh, but I would agree jade Jade is kind of the no nonsense character in in cutscenes a lot of her personality and her playfulness starts to come out in those party talk options. The weird thing for me to to kind of echo Alana's point from a second ago, she never plays up the sexiness and then to turn her into sexy vampire bunny was weird. Like, yeah. Like Jessica exudes some sex in mm-hmm. Dragon Quest 8. Like she, she knows it. I, I basically married Jessica. I've made my <laughs> peace with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I married a weird combination of Jessica and Pinkie Pie, and I'm just I'm going along with that, <laughs> and I'm riding this train all the way just to see where the adventure takes me. But like Jade doesn't have any like overt sexuality. And yet she has an entire skill tree devoted to it. So it was it was a little weird in that sense, like and, and it was also weird to have like Serena have the dancer outfit, but she like I don't think Serena understands what sex is. I I think like, the only could... the only reason the dancer
0: outfit goes to Serena and not Jade is because Serena joined so much earlier and they wanted the dancer outfit to have like thirty defense instead of a hundred. <laughs> right, but it, oh, right. It, it's it's that weird stuff in Dragon Quest of like you know uh, w- w-
1: you're you're talking about a series that is derived from Akira Toriyama and you know in what is it the first two episodes of Dragon Ball we have you know Bulma flashing herself to Master Roshi like th- that's sort of, I'm I'm not giving it a pass for that but it's a weird holdover especially when this game nails emotionally resonant moments like actually bringing a tear to my eye. For it to then have, you know, sexy vampire uh, Jade, who I think is going to be Jackie's cosplay idea for Magfest. So heads up, everybody. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. I thought weirder than sexy vampire Jade is just the unusual abundance of dancer girls and bunny girls in every single town in the game. Right. Yeah, they're they're
1: kind of flocking everywhere, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's,
0: it, it's a little weird. It's like, oh yeah, um, Toriyama really likes bunny girls, and they're just letting him go completely hog wild this time.
1: <laughs> well, you know what
3: they say when the world's been destroyed: there's bunny girls. So you know. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think it's also you know it goes to the the greater point that we've talked about on random back in the day. I think it's fine for a video game to have sexiness. I just I want it to be paid forth in equal measure. Like you know we got a lot of Geralt's ass in The Witcher Three. And that, are you saying
0: Sylvando is not sexy?
1: I'm I'm saying that <laughs> I,
0: I think Hendrik being <laughs> Hendrik's a little sexy. I think Hendrik's a little Hendrick, sexy. Hendrik's a tall drink of water. That's true. He really is. But, he, but he's not the one with the uh, with the abundance of charm. <laughs> No, he does not
1: show up wearing a full-grown peacock outfit and has the main hero waving his heart. It's time to talk about Sylvando. The thing thing that makes Sylvando so amazing to me is that they don't play him for a cheap laugh. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He is just – fabulous he's just happy and you don't have his dad hating him because he's gay or hating him for because he's flamboyant his dad wants him to be a knight and then when he comes back and he says i want to bring the world smiles his dad's like you know what son you go bring the world some damn smiles let's do this <laughs> like they don't they don't do the persona for like oh my god he might be gay he's looking at
0: me like they don't know do they, they all so immediately accept him
1: yeah.
3: yes right. there's no compromises either like he is a knight who makes like you said he's a knight who makes people smile but also like even when he's doing his knightly duties he's always like come on darling let's do this and it's like yeah he's just, just no nonsense he just takes everything salvando is salvando and he's not treated any other way and he's not singled out for anything which is he,
0: he has real ability and prowess he's a good fighter he's all yeah. he's, he's a contributor to the team and he's uh super and useful. Yeah, yeah he's he's good in combat both mechanically and sort of in the story like he's uh, he's what he's a, a mastered knife thrower and swordsman by all accounts in the context of the story, and uh, and 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 Alana made an excellent point with the not with the no nonsense part. Like when you meet him in part two, like he's leading a a parade of dancing men determined to bring the world smiles. But you also meet a uh, a man who's lost his way and is trying to find his uh, his son. So um, Sylvanda's reaction is, "Okay, darling, we have a lot to talk about, but let's go back and help this man first, okay?" So it's like it's he's. Yeah, he he's um devoted to good and devoted to, you know, chivalry, but is not compromising himself one bit and everyone else in the game is accepting of him. It's, like yeah. like like even in the party in Heliodor later, like people are meeting Silvando for the first time and they're like, What a delightful man this is. Is he a friend of yours, Luminary? <laughs> yeah, Silvando is just he I mean, he's campy and silly, but also likeable he's also Yeah, likeable and strong and badass and uh yeah. I don't think it's malicious or uh, or opportunistic at all. Savan just awesome.
1: Yeah, they they don't have like him walking in on the hero while he's changing, being like, "Ooh, darling!" Like they don't have any of those those awkward, you know, making fun of the sexuality of the character. He,
0: I think and... he, I think he might have a minor crush on Eric because he's very distressed when Eric lost loses his memory at one point. He goes, "Come on, we need to save our cute Eric." I see.
1: I wanted Silvando and Hendrik to get together because <laughs> Hendrik, I think, sometimes is just annoyed with Silvando because he's like, you you come from this, and he's not annoyed at him because of the the campiness. He's annoyed at him because he knows the backstory of Silvando. He knows that he's this legendary Wait. knight's son.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, Silvando's real name is uh, Norberto, and um, and when when and he trained with Hendrik when they were both younger, and when Hendrik realizes Silvando is Norberto, the look of shock and surprise on his face is. Amazing. Oh my god. Like, extreme anime overreaction that was just very funny coming off the stone-faced Hendrick. <laughs> I, I think we
1: need we need a spin-off game with Silvando, Yangus, and Torneco. and You know we, what they did? You know a they, rhythm game. You know who they did? Yes. In, well,
0: I mean, Dragon Quest does have a, hi- a history of having spin-off games with younger versions of the characters. Cause yeah. like, a, like a Dragon Quest Monsters series had uh, Terry from Dragon Quest 6 and uh, Kiefer from Dragon Quest 7 as younger versions of themselves. But they've already announced that they, the, um, it's going to be about uh, Eric and his sister. As yeah kids. yeah which I'm I'm excited which, about is, which is which is a good uh, choice but I'm um, still I, I would I would have been more excited about young Hendrick and young Silvando on an adventure
1: Silvando <laughs> so, even when he wasn't the most powerful character cuz uh, your your party really goes through a lot of different stages of power we talked about how Serena turns into Super Serena at one point uh, no, even though Silvando might not have been the best person for my party I always kept him in cuz he just felt like the heart of the party
4: Absolutely He's, I mean I was gonna say even when Hustle Dance becomes like less useful as you go, I mean, yeah, it's I can't take Solvando out of the
0: party. Nope. <laughs> nope. He he's such a good support character. You can spec him for offense or defense or boosting and he has some healing. Eventually when his uh when he gets some good offensive charm attacks, those are really, really strong. Uh because there there's like outside of Veronica maybe there's there aren't a lot of really good all-hitting attacks. I also have Veronica yeah. and Rab, I should say. But Silvando has a couple of really good ones. He's he's a good, like, fourth glue guy kind of character. Yeah, even I love that game. you, uh,
4: it was actually useful to keep his costume from the beginning of Part 2 because mm-hmm. it made his charm stats so high, so you got to have him yeah. in that costume the whole time, which was amazing.
0: And
1: he <laughs> saved my ass quite a bit. I didn't even realize that you could swap out party members. Uh, the, the game and it, in the third act it gets very difficult, depending on where you go and uh how you choose to explore and I didn't realize that you could swap out characters and there were a couple moments where Silvando had to come in and save the day because my magic users were getting like demolished in one hit, and he showed up and he was like, "Oh darlings, I got this worked
0: out <laughs> like oomph to the hero, and okay, here we go like there there really isn't a weak link in the entire party. everyone has. A niche or something they're really excellent at, and even when Rabs sort of starts to fall behind Serena and Veronica as a magic user, he has quests in the latter part of the game that will boost his uh, magic stats by like fifty and a hundred each. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's like I don't think uh, you, uh, if you're playing on the normal difficulty with no dra- draconian stuff on, you can use almost whoever you want to use. I used Hendrick. Uh, he he became one of my party mainstays.
1: If I played the game again, I would bring in Jade, because I, I do think that you kind of choose between either Jade or Hendrick, just because they're very heavy melee focused characters. And I know you can spec them in a little bit different ways. It, when I play the game again, at some point, either on Switch or just down the line, because I'm an idiot, and I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to play more with jade because i didn't i didn't really focus on her too much i i really liked my party and then when i started using her after leveling like doing some power leveling i was like oh she's got some nice abilities yeah and she's going she, really good much, at she, out
0: metal slimes yeah she's <laughs> way more offensive than hendrick she has uh yeah. she has critical attacks and multi-hit attacks and all hit attacks and, and her her hp is quite high but her defense is low so if uh, i liked my, my favorite party for most of the game was uh hero jade Silvando and Veronica just because they could wipe the entire enemy uh enemy team sometimes but if I needed to steal I would throw in Eric if Jade was or or uh Veronica was dying too quickly I would switch him out for Hendrik who's almost unkillable when he has good armor and uh if I needed more healing I would switch out uh probably probably Silvando or Jade for Veronica like 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 having those options available is great and none of no one feels mm-hmm. like a weak link which is you know, awesome, because my favorite character in Persona 4 is Kanji, and sometimes Kanji is, like, the worst character in the game, so it, it felt like a bummer that I couldn't use my favorite character as much as I wanted. But yeah, I mean,
4: even Eric becomes, like, a powerhouse at the oh end God. of the game. Yeah, yeah, he... Yeah, he, he
2: it's crazy, yeah.
0: When you combine his best attacks with Divide, he can do maybe more single-target damage than anybody,
2: which oh, is... Yeah, like 3,000. Same.
1: Watching the, watching the videos of killing the act three boss in like four turns was like, holy God.
3: It's like, amazing. It's, yeah. but
1: I love the fact that the game lets you do that. You feel clever in this game. Like I, uh, there was an early boss that almost killed me, which, which kind of took me by surprise. And you start remembering that in Dragon Quest games, you should be using buffs and debuffs. Like they they make the difference in a fight, and mm-hmm. you can win fights by brute strength. But if you think it through, they are little puzzles, and you can knock them out real easy.
4: And that is especially true in the post game. I mean, with, oh, especially yeah. with the turn limits. I mean, that's it, what I loved right. about the post game of this yeah. was that it didn't matter that I was level ninety nine. I had to make sure that I thought really carefully about how I was using my buffs, debuffs, skills, all that stuff to get through it in the number of turns, even at ninety nine
0: yeah the yep. uh, um yep. the uh drustin's labyrinth and the wheel of Harma tasks have uh are basically specialized battles with uh with turn limits in order to, in order to gain the uh the best rewards and I, I did complete all of those and the rewards are quite good like mean, you get recipes for the for some of the best weapons in drustin's labyrinth and you get the uh i think the best broadsword and some of the best equipment from the the uh from the Wheel of Harma. But, like, that's right. w- yeah, w- with those, is like, I had to figure out what combination of characters to use. I had to bring Veronica and Serena pepped up so they could use their ultimate attack right at the beginning. Uh, th- that helped a lot for the final Wheel of Harma thing. <laughs> um, for a lot of the story stuff, you can brute force it, and if you just want to overlevel everyone, that's possible. But by the end game, you do have to sort of explore the depths of your skill tree and available uh, attacks. And, um... And 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 tricks like you know, uh, like remembering to use your boosting spells and your anti breath attacks, and your uh, and a couple characters have like iron eyes and counter, and, and so, like 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 the defense, the support is every bit as important as offense when you're doing the most challenging fights in the game.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's definitely. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a huge. It's one of those games where there's a huge sense of accomplishment when you go into a, a hard boss fight with a game plan, and you manage to actually set up all your buffs and your debuffs. And time everything, and not get thrown out of whack by um, you know boss debuffs, um, and actually execute your plan, and just put out just insane damage, There's just, just a, a sense of accomplishment that y- you manage to you know figure all this out, and then deploy it and employ it, um, and you feel like you feel like a badass, basically, right? So, uh, it, the game's it's flexible enough to to allow you uh, to do that, especially in Act, in act Three, um, with all those bosses and all those. Um, Afflictions just kind of driving you crazy. Uh, it, it it really helps yeah. a lot.
0: Status effects are powerful in this game too, in a way that's really fun. Especially when if you're using Silvando and Eric's, uh, yeah. uh, like um, like victimize attacks for yeah. for a uh, sextuple damage. It's, yeah. like, it's like oh oh, paralysis and poison and sleep are super dope in this game. Okay.
1: Also, being able to easily see what debuffs are working and what's not that's been a that that's always been a problem with Dragon Quest games, uh, especially the handheld ones. It's like, wait, did I? did I buff myself once or twice? Because they always let you buff twice, right? Like if you use Accelerate, you can get it once or for, you can for, get it for twice. For buff, for
0: the speed and defense stuff, yes. But for, right. for for oomph, it's only once, I think.
1: Right, right. But now what they have is they have two stages of oomph now. Like you can do oomph right. and oomph full. Yep. And so being able to see that relatively easily, I think maybe the icons could be a little bit bigger, but that's a minor complaint.
0: <laughs> in, in the old Dragon Warrior games, oomph was called Bikill. kill which, yes. which which I think they they wanted to communicate doubling attack power, but but I remember thinking that was so strange. I didn't I, I didn't realize what by did the first time I played uh, Dragon Warrior four I think. But uh, but um and uh, but a lot of the Dragon Quest skills in Japanese are, are are puns. Like like the Frizz attacks are called Mera in Japanese because Mera is the Japanese automatopoeia for a flame crackling. But so they <laughs> they they mostly they, they, the localizers in this game do a lot of work with the huge number of puns and accents and language eff- uh, like affects that they deal with they they were putting in some hours into this localization and it's very appreciated yeah, it also
1: feels balanced for magic attacks, whereas oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of other Dragon Quest games, mm-hmm. you you kind of save your magic because they mm-hmm. just cost so much MP. Now you get a lot of MP recharging skills, and so your magic users are able to actually unleash unleash magic. How, how awesome is that?
0: And if there's I, a long dungeon, you can platoon your team a little bit and like uh, and like switch out three people at once to so that their MP can get a rest until they get a level up. Like you're like you know you're a hockey coach or something. Switch, yep, switching yep. switching your front line in and out. Get the third line out there. All right. <laughs> come on. Give it to Crosby.
1: Everything'll be fine. <sighs>
2: It, it's almost—it's
1: almost like there was a massive uh, thing that happened at the end of Act One, and the whole thing just kind of went topsy-turvy. Right? Kirby, Holy right? crap! Um. Yeah. Yeah. There is How's a... that for a segue? <laughs>
0: um. I, I remember I was—I uh, was joking with some uh, jerk on Twitter that Dragon Quest Eleven has a Final Fantasy yep. Six moment, then a Final Fantasy Nine moment, then a Final Fantasy Four moment, because uh, the world goes through an apocalypse that changes the entire world state, and then a character dramatically shears off her hair in a moment of. Uh, of uh, you know, of, yeah. of, of like of like hardening a personality, and then you summon a giant magic whale to fly you all around the world. <laughs> so, That's uh... accurate. And and what's weird <laughs> is that the the reveal for the the end of act one, everything
1: goes to hell. Mortigan kind of wins, and uh, the world is plunged into darkness, which is a real downer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reveal for that is actually in the box cover for the uh, American version of the game. I yeah, mean, because you, you the see the tree, tree is split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this game decided to do World of Darkness uh, or World of Ruin from Final Fantasy 6, I was even more down because it just it felt so appropriate. Like the whole beginning, this game, it basically spans the history of JRPGs where you start out as the hero and you are you're fighting one on one against enemies. Like just like Dragon Quest one, you are just a single hero. Then you start item
0: run magic. Yeah.
1: Then you get to the party, and then you go through a very act one is a very traditional, um, linear JRPG. A little bit of here and there that you can explore, but very yep. linear.
0: You're meeting your you're you're meeting your companions. You're building a team. You're uh, accomplishing a, a, a specific quest with specific goals, and then you reach the the goal that you're trying to get to from the beginning. And then there's a turn.
1: And then act two and act three, especially turn into much more non-linear JRPGs that kind of let you get yourself into trouble. Like you can kind of do things in, you know, a limited order, like you might have three different objectives that you can complete, and you can complete those three in any order that you want. Um, And I really like that, the sense of discovery in this game, and the fact that I really knew the map layout. I complained before about how I did wish that the, the map was a little bit more like Dragon Quest Eight, and it was one giant open world. But by sectioning areas off, not unlike uh Final Fantasy Twelve, actually... I came to know those areas and love them and really appreciate mm-hmm. them when I got to revisit them again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um those sandbox, the segmented sandboxes are uh at least they're big and beautiful and cool. Like uh like when you're riding your horse on these big plains and these mountain trails it 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 felt cool. Like I I felt like I was going through a big world. It wasn't vast and contiguous like uh like Dragon Quest Eight or uh, I think that's maybe the greatest strength of Breath of the Wild and and uh so, and something I loved about Shadow of the Colossus. It doesn't feel quite as beautifully vast as those, but mm-hmm. but scratches very nice itch and feels like I know each region. Like I'm I'm learning about these towns and their surrounding environs in a way that, that's very cool. Like it, it felt like a big world, but maybe didn't have a perfect vastness the way Breath of the Wild does. Rob's obvious favorite game of twenty seventeen. I'll but, carry
4: Xenoblade.
0: <laughs> yeah, or Xenoblade. God like Xenoblade does the segmented thing like Dragon Quest eleven, but I, I think the I think the play areas in that are bigger and cool. Yeah. Like that that's 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 an amazing thing about uh, Xenoblade one and X. But I've I haven't played much of two, so I can't speak to that. Um but like I, I mentioned that, uh, that that you can save and forge and uh, even buy some items at campfires in this game. Uh, I even had favorite campfires by the end, by the end of the game. It's like, wow. oh yeah, I want to I want to <laughs> go to the yeah I want to go to the one in the Sniffleheim over by the frozen lake because you can buy a couple useful items there and it's a really pretty snow area.
3: Yeah, that's where I spent a lot of my time. Not it's in so particular weird, yeah. for a quest, but yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, so, yeah, it's so weird. I always found myself going to that one as well. It's kind of odd.
0: <laughs> I also like the one in the in the coastal area near the beginning of the game because you can buy a couple useful like uh, f- like fruit and nut items. I think.
3: Oh I, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I did have my. Uh,
1: this is kind of a returning problem, so I apologize to listeners because you've heard me complain about this a million times. I do think the the map navigation is a little problematic in Dragon Quest XI, like remembering which zoom spell is going to send you where, especially when you're trying to hunt down some quests. I think that stuff could have been a little bit better. It's a little menu-driven. I hated, like, mm-hmm. I have to like scroll over on the map to the left to then go to the next map region. Like, that That kind of... It doesn't come up often, but that kind of stuff, you know, but, it, it drove but... me nuts. And I love this game. I complained about it in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I <laughs> am going to complain about it now. It was a little aggravating, but it didn't come up that much.
0: Well, one related thing to that that bothered me a lot, this is uh, this game did something that I also hated about E7, which is a game I, lo- I love dearly, one of my favorite PSP games, is that they give you a lot of good, free, tra- uh, fast travel options in the first Quarter or first third of the game in this case, and then after a certain plot point, they take it all away, and you have to re-find all of the waypoints. That's true. A- and all yeah. and all the ca- campfires. So I had to I had to go. I do some backtracking early in Act Two to go back to some campfires just so I could fast travel to them again. Um, yeah, I wish is, you could have
4: just when you opened up a new area, right? It would have been better.
0: But nope, yep. you have you have to either enter the town or enter the campfire screen in order to add those back to your zoom menu, which is annoying. Maybe a little bit less annoying in this game than in e 7 cuz in e 7 there's they put up a bunch of barriers and it's and traveling is uh more annoying in that game even though it's a smaller game space. But uh in in act 3 they uh they they sort of undo all of that in a way that we'll get to very very soon. But I, I, I want to go back to the back to the turn in between Act One and Act Two, where the apocalypse occurs, and uh, you're first of all you uh, you're saved by the uh, Mermaid Kingdom and turned into a fish, which was something I was not expecting. Really, really when cool. When it happened, really cool. Mm-hmm. cool. The uh, I, I believe Derek Heemsberg and our uh, sta- our our uh, comrade and RPG fan described that scene as "bitch, you're a fish." Yes that, that was accurate. That was accurate. So uh after you unfish and uh and go back and go back to the uh the the land of the earthbound ones basically your hometown has become a town of ref- refugees and you team up with Hendrik to uh clear out some monsters from Heliodor Castle and uh, and the king who had been possess- possessed by the demon king Mordigan apologizes to you. And uh and Hendrik becomes your first new companion in act 2. And from then on you're sort of rediscovering uh, the world that has been changed by uh by Mortigan and uh, righting wrongs town to town and um bringing the band back together, meeting all of your party members one by one we mentioned uh silvando 's amazing parade scene um, yep uh there's also Eric, also has lost his memory and and ends up uh- sa- like saving his uh his long lost sister's life upon gaining back his memory in uh in his little segment and we also mentioned jade's where she's uh she 's turned into a a bunny vampire girl, but the last two people you meet are Veronica and Serena. You, you find Serena in the uh, ice pond area in Sniffleheim, and then you discover Veronica's corpse in their hometown.
1: Holy God! Oh, oh
0: my That's god! <laughs> I, I legit cried. I legit cried. like I hate Veronica! You're basically restoring hope. You're like, okay, I'm gonna save this town and meet my friend again and meet this friend again and, oh, there's a new side quest here if I save this town. Okay, let's do this. And you're, like, you're you know, getting more and more positive. You're getting your band back together to challenge, challenge Mordigan. But then like the sweetest, maybe most positive non silvando character that you have the whole game... Is the one that had to sa- that uh, that sacrificed herself to save everyone at the, when at the events in the tree and at the at the turn between Act One and Two. It's it, it was a gut punch. Yeah, and we we
1: rag on the music on Sugiyama's music in Dragon Quest Eleven, but this was one of the moments where the music and the scene it all came together and it did deliver. Like Jackie, my wife was sitting right next to me watching it, and she hated Veronica as well. And we were both, like, tearing up. Like, it actually... It, it hurt. It actually hurt. Because you realized, as Solosi just said, this character sacrificed herself to save everyone.
0: Yeah, like, you, oh you, see, you, see, you see a flashback um, where the, the tree is basically exploding. Morrigan's unleashing some real nasty magic everywhere. But uh, she, like, cr- creates a barrier and then teleports everyone away. But uh, But then her magic power is spent and she sort of... I forget. I forget if she's if she's like hurled back to Earth or if she sort of has to give up while the while she gets zapped by dark magic. It's it's it it, it's rough. It's not it's not like uh it's not gory or gruesome or anything, but it's it's a real moment of uh, it's a real dramatic death that's that's affecting. Like and uh, and maybe we forget about this sometimes. Dragon Quest really has emotional drama. In Mm -hmm. in several of its games, I mean, Mm -hmm. the ultimate one, maybe being, uh, um, in Dragon Quest V. Yes.
2: uh, Listen,
0: listen to that podcast if you haven't yet, listeners. But um, like this, I I I was stunned at Veronica's death and um several other parts of this game in Act One and Two. Just I I, I had me in disbelief. Uh, The mermaid scene in Act One. Yep. Yep. And 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 uh, and um, the woman in. in the Japanese hot springs town where uh where she reveals that her dra- her son was turned into a dragon and then to you know to, and and she's been sacrificing villagers to him so he to so he won't you know no, you know to to keep him alive but then she sort of accepts she basically becomes the next sacrifice and lets her son eat her which is dark yep yep it, it
1: oh. holy crap the game,
0: the game takes a turn and it's also using like
1: it is telling like a children's story, and I, I think that that's where... Dragon Quest
0: games are fairy tales. And, yes, and, they and, are. I, and I say that in a in a positive connotation.
1: Absolutely, and I think a lot of people that you know, I, I heard some criticisms of Dragon Quest Eleven, and I, I think they're fair. But the one that I can't get over is people saying like, "Oh, you know, it's real tropey," and like, "Oh, the story, the story's like for kids." And I'm like, "That's actually okay." Like, do you, do you hmm. complain when you go and see a Disney movie that it's for kids? Like no, you don't. Like one of the things is that this is I a cried at story. the
0: Firefly in Love with the Star in the Princess and the Frog. That is the most beautiful thing I've ever freaking heard in my life.
1: <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say the end of Coco, which is whole oh no, I
0: I, I wept I wept at four I wept at the uh, the lullaby scene in Coco, and then the entire last oh. twenty minutes of Coco. I. Yep. I I I oh God I I am I'm I'm not ashamed I cry at movies sometimes including movies for children but sometimes yeah. these these simple wholesome stories go real emotional places that would affect an adult differently than a child like absolutely. Like, like like Coco mm-hmm. singing uh, uh, uh um Miguel singing to Coco at the end of Coco probably affects parents more than children absolutely and, and uh absolutely. and and, and scene, the scenes of like um of, of like Rab uh mourning his daughter would uh w- would affect an adult more than an adolescent i think like like dragon quest goes emotional places even though it's this it's in i don't want to say in the guise of but it's a basically a a uh, a wholesome fairy tale with um with, with traditional fantasy ideas around it but it it goes to, it there are real emotional moments in many dragon quest games and, and 11 doesn't let up on them at all i i, I i'm jumping ahead a little bit uh, a little bit but um uh sage serenica morning um morning erdwin yep.
1: Right. yep that was hard to watch too yeah, yeah. It was really hard to watch um so now we i have to ask the question and i i've been debating this ever since i finished the game and i i, I oscillate back and forth on it does the act three turn negate all of that emotion in act two and the reason I'm asking that is we're, we're kind of in the middle of this with the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I made the point, without going into spoilers, that all the stuff that happened in Infinity War didn't really affect me because, eh, I know you're just going to undo all this. But at the time in Dragon Quest XI, you don't know that they are just going to chrono-trigger the hell out of this game. <laughs> like, well, you don't realize that.
0: Okay, now um that that's a fair question. Um I, in general, I, my answer is no, but uh let's give some additional context first. Um Yeah. At, at the end of Act Two, you de- you defeat Mortigan, the world is saved, but the world is still broken by all of the uh destruction Mortigan reigned on the world.
1: And had but, the game ended here, it's still a fantastic game. Yes. But um, that, you get credits, you get everything.
0: And also one uh one low key sad moment is when you meet the uh the uh the, the the watchers the or or the ruins of the watchers in act 2 there's only one child left of this former yes! civilization <laughs> oh and which is which is a, which is a, a surprisingly God. sad little moment but then you uh, at 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 after the end of act 2 you realize oh um some of the these watcher structures fell down to earth fell down to earth and you examine some of the ruins of them and you realize there's a way to turn back time and uh <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 no appropriate. Um, but you realize there might be a way to undo what Mordigan did. So uh, you you go to some ruins. You uh, you go through some dungeon machinations, and you realize that only the the Luminary can do this. But you can ha- uh, The Luminary can turn to a p- a place back in time, and uh, and basically uh, uh read undo or redo history, and uh, this begs the question does this mean that the timeline of the original act one and two ceased to exist or uh, or d- does it destroy the lost time because we should remember the uh the uh the japanese subtitle of dragon quest 11 is in search of lost time which might be a marcel proust reference but also nice, but, but 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 it, but is but is but is highly uh highly appropriate and and you it, it's it it makes you like recontextualize everything that uh you know about the game so far. I don't think you destroy the past because when a similar thing happens at the end of Act Three, uh, the Luminary is still existing in his timeline. Yeah, so I I, I, mm-hmm.
1: I think we do full on Dragon Ball Z Created Terminator. It. Yeah. I think I think we're doing Dragon Ball Z times timelines. Where I, my my go to is Dragon Ball Z, Terminator, and Back to the Future. Right, Back this, to the
0: Future and Chrono Trigger are the only good time travel stories.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I I, 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 I really <laughs> like original. I really like original Terminator, but oh, that's, th- just that's me. fair. So um, so yeah. I I think that at the end of Dragon Quest Eleven you get a little taste of Dragon Quest 1 where like they full on the Dragon Quest 1 hero pulls the very sort of light that the luminary is using you get an implication of the birth of Erdrick from Dragon Quest 3 and then you still have the remaining timeline that the luminary left at the end of uh, act 2 i think they're doing a full on Dragon Ball Z Legend of Zelda there are multiple timelines Mm-hmm. And that's and that's even backed up by the fact that at the very end of Dragon Quest three, there are two books that tell the history of the Luminary.
0: And uh, well, were... and will <clears throat> jumping ahead again, the very yeah. very end of Dragon Quest eleven has the opening scene of Dragon Quest three. So which which, which yes. uh, um, I'll, I'll I'll run it back a little bit. Um, when the Luminary decide uh, learns ab- about the ability to turn back time. Which we uh, are, are, I guess, deciding here, which creates a new timeline rather than destroying the existing past. He goes back to the moment where Mordigan uh, corrupted the Sword of Light. But instead of, of letting that happen, he is aware of Jasper's attack that, uh, that allows Mordigan to walk in and thwarts it. So they, they're able to obtain the Sword of Light and fight and, uh, and defeat Jasper, who was a, uh, a rather challenging boss fight in, um, in Act 2. Mm-hmm. And then when Mordigan tries to attack in Heliodor, uh they they thwart that as well. And and uh and Mordigan sort of realizes what's going on, It's like wait a second, you're not the same luminary you were before, are you? And but you mm-hmm. defeat Mordigan and then realize that the uh the uh Mordigan's I think the Lord of Shadows and uh then you learn about the dark one who was the uh monster that Mordigan and uh and the and uh Serenica and Drustan and Erdwin fought a thousand years ago and he becomes sort of the, the final boss of Act Three. And he was sealed in a big uh, celestial structure called Erdwin's Comet before in Act One and Two.
1: Which I, I, I okay, I must have missed that. I don't remember them mentioning Erdwin's lantern at all until it was a giant scare ball in the sky.
0: <laughs> no, you can see it in the far distance in the sky in Act One and if you and if you talk to some scholars in uh okay, in in, in the in okay. the in the Desert Kingdom, then they'll yeah. mention it to you, but it's it's hidden. It's uh it, it's not very present until Act Two.
1: Okay, I I felt like I had really missed something, and granted, I was kind of I was destroying this game, so I'm not surprised I didn't talk to somebody and I didn't notice it. But then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Erdwin's lantern." I'm like, "That's a giant scare ball! It's gonna kill us all! Why didn't you guys mention this?" Like,
0: it was just a normal satellite, like a like like Venus or something in at, the at, at the uh, until you know it got alarmingly large in the sky. <laughs> I was just very confused by it. Uh, yeah, so then
1: you, at this point, Veronica's back because yes. she didn't die, and right. so I, on the one hand, I understand people's complaints that what they did was they just brought Eris back. Like spoilers, sorry. <laughs> like we
0: we brought Eris back. It's been twenty one years. I think it's fine.
1: I, I hope so. Uh, but at the same time, you didn't know that that was going to happen. There wasn't this, you know, there wasn't another Spider-Man movie coming out. You know what I mean? Like, so it, the fact that she was back, it actually, I felt the joy that the heroes felt. Like, oh my God, we pulled it off. Like, but also, but also,
0: also, I think they do add weight to that decision because when the, uh, the luminary is about to turn back time, the whole team is like, wait a second, think this through. We don't know what exactly this is going to do. Right. Right. And, and and Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. And and all of the experiences that you had. Like, so in Act Three, you kind of do abbreviated Act Two again, where you can go to every village and solve every village's. Act two problem down to what you mentioned before the the dragon mother mm-hmm. you can you can yep. save Eric's sister again like you're kind of fixing everything again but it always plays out a little
0: different because because you have the advanced knowledge and because Mortigan didn't uh, didn't wreck the world with his in, uh, with uh, right. with the destruction of the tree mm-hmm. and also all of the all of the watcher floating islands that uh, had fallen to the ground in Act two are up there and are able to be explored. Act three is a, re- is a... A reinterpretation of Act Two that allows you to right the wrongs and undo the despairs of Act Two in yeah, a way right. that I, I don't. It, it felt it didn't feel cheap to me. It felt like in I was fi- it felt like I was fixing. I was writing wrongs and fixing things rather than rather than like erasing tragedy or character development. It was a little weird having Hendrik rejoin me because <laughs> like <laughs> the, that's the, the H- one Hen- part that yeah. feels weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hendrick, Hendrick's, quick. Yeah, Hendrik's recruitment arc in Act Two. Was um, him realizing he was wrong, feeling awful about it, and then when he realizes that uh, he and the Luminary can be rays of hope, him pledging his uh, loyalty to the Luminary. And it happens again in Act 3, but with a lot less... Meaningful context. Ah, uh, yes,
1: I wanted to kill you,
0: Dark Spawn. Now I guess I won't. Yeah. Like, like, that. Like that <laughs> pretty much. God, they said the word "dark" darkspawn so many times in this I know, game. I thought, yeah, I thought, like Dragon... I, yeah, no, I, thought no. I was playing Dragon Age Origins, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because it's complete with the British cast. Now, I, I tend to agree
1: with you. I, there have been times where I thought maybe it was a little cheap, but I think because you don't realize that the game is going to do the time travel thing, all of that emotional resonance still works. So the first time Veronica shows back up, y- you can almost feel like the main character. You feel the main character's joy. She's back, and they don't have like this big long. Oh yeah, I watched you die, and now you're here. It's like no, we're no, just no, gonna no, continue no. If, if anything,
0: the, the, the Luminary's silence makes uh, adds to the emotion of it. Because like like yeah. the, the Luminary quietly like being so glad to see Veronica again. Like, like you the player is feeling it but the rest of the cast and then the luminary isn't which makes it I don't know, a little powerful. I, I I liked the feeling that it gave me.
2: You had it a little bit without being too explicit, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, yeah. saying, they were always saying things like, this feels familiar, or what's that stupid look on your face? And, so
0: <laughs> okay, it, it it's all, it. guys, it's just morphogenetic fields, just like 999, oh and 9 God. hours, 9 persons, 9 doors. <laughs> and they also, uh, <laughs> it was also
1: fun being kind of stupid overpowered at that point, like when I when you're fighting Mordigan, and you, you just beat his ass with the dark sword. That oh, was yeah, really geez. cool. <laughs> your character's level, and, and then they Level your characters up, which was appropriate. I was like, "Oh God, am I
0: gonna have they, to go they, grind?" They either? level, yeah. It's like, like why, man, my luminary is level fifty-six, and everyone's level thirty-nine. This is a problem. But then they give everyone else an EXP boost, and uh, Veronica can learn um, enchanting echo, and it's like, okay, now, yep, now it's game over.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: wouldn't you rather have Super Serena back? Yeah, <laughs> like uh, part of me says yes, but part of me likes know. the expanded the expanded trees of that Serena and Veronica get uh, get. Individually, because it's super when uh, when Super Serena gets all of Veronica's spells in Act Two, she it's just like the their spells up to level fifty or however long. But when they get when they get their expanded sp- skill trees in Act Three, it's like Serena learns more healing magic that Super Serena never got, and Veronica gets more offensive magic that Super Serena never got. They, they stayed specialized but got more powerful, which was a uh, a Rosa Ridia Final Fantasy Four moment that I liked a lot. It's like neither of Martella; they're they're their own deal and they're awesome. So, is Dragon Quest Eleven
1: the first Dragon Quest? I, I think it clearly is. Yeah,
0: it, it created Mid-tour the time it, it created the yeah. timeline that uh, started Dragon Quest Three, and Dragon Quest Three is a prequel to Dragon Quest One or Two. So, I think, um, and uh, we know Dragon Quest Eight takes place after Dragon Quest Three because uh, Ramia journeys. Trans, uh travels between worlds going from three to eight so um, um unless this is uh, this is a separate timeline from four five six seven but in the in the, with everything we know about dragon quest this is the earliest one that we can prove and I apologize for that very convoluted uh dragon quest lore, lore or exploration lore exploration you're probably right but, but, it's um, to think about. <laughs> but going back to the end of uh dragon quest. Eleven. I'm, I'm trying to get my numbers straight here. <laughs> when you when you defeat the Dark One, um the Luminary gives his luminary powers to Serenica, who was trapped in the uh in the Tower of Time for a long time. And she uses luminary powers to go back in time to when Mort- save Erdwin. And to save Erdwin from Mordigan. and that creates a new timeline where she and Erdwin can live together, and that is the timeline of Dragon Quest three. I would tend to agree, yes. Which is and, crazy.
1: Uh, and I, and I think like I was one of those people that when I was playing Twilight Princess, when I was playing Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, I wanted that game to end and it to start raining. To, like, imply that this was going to be the Wind Waker timeline, or something like that. And I know how cheesy oh, yeah. that sounds. But, like, I, kept, I keep waiting for the Zelda games to be a little bit more overt with the timeline, because it's fun. It really is fun, and it, it's one of those things that I think brings the community some joy. Dragon Quest XI makes good on that idea because I'll tell you what, I teared up like an ass when the Dragon Quest One hero just pulls the sword of light out right before the end credits. And I the, was the like the end
0: credits <gasps> going the end credits going oh. through Dragon Quest One through ten were yes. so beautiful. It was crazy. Oh God. Yes. God. Even as someone
3: who's never played, like I've never played a Dragon Quest game from before eight, I was just like, right, I'm gonna play one, and I'm gonna play two, and then I'm gonna play three, <laughs> I'm gonna play four. It's just like it was like a nostalgia trip I'd never had, but I wanted <laughs> to be in on it. Like I wanted in on it. It was such a good Oh, it was such and a- style.
0: also in the uh in in the Japanese version of Dragon Quest 11, when you get the trophy for beating the game, you get a free download of Dragon Quest 1. Yeah, I can't believe we off. didn't get that. Yeah, we did, we yeah. Did, we did not get that, which is too bad, but imagine seeing that and then saying dragon quest one has been added to your download list right like after the credits were rolling that 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 would have been a moment (laughs) yeah and
1: it's it's a brand new start for dragon quest i think that it if alana somebody who hasn't even played the other games if she had an emotional connection to this that shows that what they did they knocked it out of the park like they've they stepped up to the plate. They said, We're going to have some fun with the Dragon Quest timelines. We're going to give you guys, like, just that, that little tidbit that this is all connected. And it works, and it works without pandering. And I think that that's the part that I really, really like. It it created emotional resonance. It made you want to play all the games again. It just ah, the the ending. I, I haven't played the game since I finished it because it felt like such a great ending. I just had a mm-hmm. giant smile yeah. on my face.
3: Yeah, I would have been really disappointed had Dragon Quest Eleven ended at the end of Act Two because I really didn't really? like how it ended. Yeah, I thought it's that such it
1: was a downer. Really-
3: yeah, exactly, cuz it's just like, oh, Veronica's not here.
0: Maybe but we the but the, uh, <laughs> the end or is it kind of moment afterwards? Yeah. It, it act 3 felt so joyful compared to the uh like like the sort of um the return from darkness of act 2.
3: Act yeah. 3 doesn't feel like the post game, it feels essential, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so special. It doesn't like it celebrates everything about Dragon Quest, especially the ending, but it doesn't shove it down your throat in a way that's like this series is so great. It's like, yeah, it's great, and you feel it, but it's not like it's shouting it at you. You like, you get the sense of history of Dragon Quest and uh, season well three. Was...
1: It's <laughs> the third season of an anime. You had the first season next one, second yeah. season, and the, the, the second season is the dark middle chapter. And, right, the, but uh, it and it doesn't go all Attack on Titan and completely lose itself, and you're and, like, "Am mm-hmm. oh, I watching anymore?" Like... And it and it
0: doesn't uh, go Mass Effect three and um, and Whoa. give you, and give you some satisfying conclusions and <laughs> some unsatisfying conclusions.
1: Oh, oh, oh god! No, it, it
0: is a three act
1: game where everything felt so connected and so powerful. I think I would have been okay with the end of Act Two. I actually haven't played a lot of the post game in uh, Dragon Quest. Solosi's uh, still yelling at me to marry Jessica in Dragon Quest
0: Eight for real this time. Um, it, I I loved the Jessica ending in the three in the three DS version of Dragon Quest Eight. But then the princess is just left, and that, But the princess is weirdly accepting of it, <laughs> you know, like, like she gives she almost gives you permission, <laughs> which is which was you know strange, but I was okay old with notebook it. Notebook moment right
1: there, like uh, <laughs> James Marston's just like no, go with Ryan Gosling, like 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 that. Actually, that yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, he's the nicest guy in the history of the universe. You come to me and say, oh, I'm gonna marry my high school sweetheart instead of you. I'm going to be pretty devastated, and James Marston's like, no, it's going to be fine, I'm going to go be Cyclops. Like, that's what he does. Like, I'm going to go live in Westworld for a while.
0: Um, but, okay, but that's a different Dragon Quest game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, if, if Dragon Quest eleven is, a, uh, is referential and nostalgic without, um, without feeling exploitative, for Dragon Quest III specifically, I, I kind of would love if Dragon Quest twelve was like that for the Zenithia games. Yeah, that'd like, be cool. Yeah, um, that'd like because really because cool. uh, um, Dragon Quest four, five, and six are unrelated and take pla- seem to take place in different worlds, but all three of them have a floating castle populated by dragons and angels called Zenithia. And if and Dra- armor, yeah, yes, and and <laughs> some and some very nice armor and weapons attached to Zenithia. But if Dragon Quest twelve brought Zenithia into the Dragon Quest timeline in a way that made sense, in a way that they did for Dragon Quest three. I mean in the way that 11 did for 3, I would love that. But I I that that that's into the realm of theory crafting and uh and and fan fiction.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, I was reading um when we we're talking about alternate timelines, right? Uh I think one of the prevailing theories I was reading was that the end of act 1 that timeline where the where the hero no longer exists, um uh, people were people were speculating that that leads to the Zenithia set of games. Because they were saying something crazy about like when the sword of light broke, it looked like the sword the was it the sword of the Zenithia, um or something crazy like that. But people were already speculating that uh, the end of Dragon Quest three, at least, led to two different uh, sets of games: the first three and then the the second three. I don't, I don't know how believable done. that is. Could yeah, be.
0: Um, that. The, the, there's. Uh, oh man. I, like I'm sure the forum chatter on Dragon Quest timelines g- completely exploded after Dragon Quest 11 had enough time in the wild for Which people to play it. Which wasn't even a thing.
1: There's yeah. never been a thing of connecting <laughs> right. these games. Like <laughs> pe- pe- Dragon Quest well, okay. 11 just shows up and it's yeah. like they're connected. Deal Dragon Quest it.
0: one, two, and three are clearly connected, and fans yes. have theories about four, five, and six because they all have Zenethia in them. But uh, but nothing to the level of what we're doing right now.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then there's Dragon Quest Seven, which all the timelines look at and go, "Yeah, it's too long."
0: So yeah, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven—it's my personal game of the year. I laughed, yep. I, cri- I cried. No, not my personal game of the year. I'm not saying what I—I I don't know what happened to. Uh, no, it's game our... of
1: the year. I just voted ten times. It's game of the year. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so so oh, I'm
0: not—I'm not sure who finished second because we haven't published game of the year stuff yet. But the, but I mean, Dragon Quest Eleven just got a boost. We'll see what how that how that is affected, but. Before we sign off, um, could each of you tell me just one thing, whether you liked it or disliked it, that just jumped out at you at this game that either surprised you or became uh, a favorite thing? Whether it was a moment or a character or a system or anything, oh, that, 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 that's, that's just Ooh. one takeaway you have about this game. This is unfair. I have sprung this question on you unexpectedly. Right. I'll go first. Uh, um, <laughs> one character we haven't discussed whom I sort of love is your grandfather. Basically you're found by an old man floating down the river and are and are raised in this small village of cobblestone and Your grandfather is a is by all accounts a very sweet old man and uh, There's a moment where you briefly travel back in time to speak to him as an adult, and he immediately realizes you're his young grandson, but grown up so uh, and uh, and in a side quest later in the game, you even meet one of his old friends who was reminiscing about their journeys as young men. This completely uh, unimportant side character just keeps getting referenced and keeps getting play later in the story in a way that I found sort of beautiful. And well, he could have been a total forgettable old man character, but I, he uh, now I have a very positive idea of him because this game respects its characters so much. Except when <laughs> Jade turns into a sexy vampire bunny.
3: <laughs> Without him, the Luminary would maybe not even exist anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. He's a very next. he's a very he's a very good grandpa both him and Rab would have gotten along great, I think
3: mm-hmm.
0: if they had ever hung out for drinks. so does either of you and uh, anyone else have a uh, have a Dragon Quest eleven thing that we want to um, bring up before we uh, close the door on this podcast?
2: we'll skip the I guess we'll skip the easy ones that we talked about already, but uh going into the the dungeons of Dunngerso in Act two and then again in act three? Oh and yeah, my, and, and that was my fun? moment
0: yeah. oh, No I the, the ghost of Irwin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Good.
2: That's, that's really, really good. Amazing. Yeah.
0: I, I'm I am a
1: romantic and I am going to go with uh Serenica going back in time uh, uh to get her third one. That was yeah. that that was like like <laughs> that was just so cool because like I would love the whole backstory of the four original heroes when you find out, oh god, what was Morgan's uh, original name? Morgan yeah yeah, Morg-
2: yeah
1: yes. and he gets corrupted by the the evil power and he he kills Erdwin, which was kind of like i I remember like the whole time going, man Mordigan doesn't really have a whole lot of backstory, and then here it, it showed up and it was like whoa Uh well-
0: and yeah. which which okay. so in this in this version of the game, the original Dragon Quest three party was hero mage warrior sage, which is a pretty good party yep mm-hmm. yep and uh
1: and mage killed uh warrior. Uh, which was very depressing for everybody, uh but then just serenica being able to go back and save erdwin was was really, really special, and that 's when you know you start getting the connections to dragon Quest three uh that that was the moment that I was grinning like an idiot little, little teary eyed and grinning like an idiot
4: yeah i was going to p- I was going to pick erwin 's the Erwin's ghost part, but i 'm just going to be cheap and just talk about the end credits because i mean I think mm-hmm. that the thing that is amazing about this game is that like it It acknowledges so many of the things about the earlier Dragon Quest games, while also sort of removing all the barriers, I think, in particular for us, like not knowing where to go and things like that. Um, Personally, during the end credits, um, I I was sort of thinking about, um, you know, all the different things that this game did to sort of make it more accessible, sort of as a JRPG, while also managing to maintain what made it Dragon Quest. And as a person who's been playing the game for like 30 years and just seeing that acknowledgement of like my childhood, all those things, um, really made me emotional and definitely teared up.
0: Yeah, geez, like Dragon Quest Eleven is so modern, but does not compromise a single thing about what makes it Dragon Quest. Just like just like Silvando does not compromise a single thing about it himself. <laughs> Damn straight.
2: Yeah, that's I definitely to 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 kind of follow up on that, it, it made me as somebody who hadn't been playing Dragon Quest series for thirty years, only getting into it in the last what two or three, four years. I like. I felt that as well. I was like, it must have been amazing to view these end credits and see this, and how what kind of impact that would have on somebody who who had been playing it for thirty years.
0: Sure. So, Alana, do you have a a, a final thought of sorts on Dragon Quest XI?
3: Everyone's taken all three of mine, Um <laughs> oh, no. I will go. In, I will go entirely superficial and say how well the to Toriyamas enemy design to translate to the ps4 and the, <gasps> the,
0: the animations are so, so
3: cool i take so many of them away like i was really gutted when i found out the hacksaurus wasn't in it anymore mm. but good god the kleptosaurus the Professorus, everything else made it so good and you can run bears over there you go that is my dragon quest 11 takeaway you can <laughs> run over bears
1: on the horse. He gets a lot of. Cra- Toriyama gets a lot of crap for basically only designing Goku and Vegeta anymore. <laughs> but, but, like, his yeah, monster he- design is so damn charming.
3: This, this and- game is, built, like, full like, to the brim with charm in those enemies. And his female character designs are so good as well. Like, yeah. I haven't. You know, he, like you said, he does get a lot of crap for. His well, kind of spunky head here. hero. no, but, no,
0: but yeah, no, like... when you think about it, like um Serena, Veronica and Jade are three different very very different personalities and silhouettes and body types and they all yeah. they they're all very likable. People will will make fun of Toriyama for his men looking too angular and his uh, and his uh women either being being um too weirdly proportioned or too or the eyes too or the heads too round or something, but there's a lot of color and expressiveness in his character designs and monster designs, maybe especially for monsters. Yep. Yep. And, uh, the dragon
1: quest art book just came out. Uh, and slow. I know you got your copy yep, and I got my, my copy.
0: Yep. The, uh, char- I believe yeah. it's called, a uh, uh, like 30th anniversary character art or something. It's, um, yep, it, yep. it's, uh, a bunch of key art from every dragon quest game, uh, I- including the remake. so like it'll it'll go through character art and monster art and cover art for every game and every release of every game, it, and it's 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 great. I, I it oh my is, gosh, I need
1: that. It's real it's fun really to page good. through. You come, they, I they show it. you like the subtle differences between like Ragnar's design from the original mm-hmm. Dragon Quest IV to the remake was really cool. It's sort of like funny. He, his, his
0: Japanese I'm name just... is his Japanese name is Ryan, and uh, he was renamed Ragnar in the uh, in the NES Dragon Warrior Four but then uh, when they brought him back in Dragon Quest 8 and the 4 remake they officially called him in English Ragnar McRyan so they so they sort of combined both <laughs> names and they did the I they did that. they did the exactly the same thing for Tornico who was uh, Taloon, and then they made him Tornico Taloon in Dragon Quest 8 so they, they they're the localizers for the whole series have done a very good very respectful referential job that is uh that I, I again. I mean, I was blown away that all the mermaids in rhyming couplets, and all the people in in a in a uh, what's what's it? Um, uh, 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 the what was this hot spring what town?
2: Uh, uh, hold Hoto.
0: Up. Yeah, and everyone in Hoto, uh speaks in haiku, but, but the little kids in Hoto haven't figured out haiku yet. So I they, they so they sometimes drop in and out of haiku. I love that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's it's and, like the pawn game in this in Dragon Quest Eleven. Incredible, is fantastic.
0: It's Sham amazing. hat witches. Shamhat, yes. which is,
3: what was it, Stark Ravens. I love Stark <laughs> Ravens. Phenomenon. Dora in Grey. Yeah, oh my god,
0: Dora in Grey is one of the Dora best. Dora in Grey was really good. One of the Excellent. hardest Excellent. boss was, fights. Yeah, it was a really challenging boss. I act, that was the first time I died in the game because Dora in Grey uh, uh, enthralled two of my characters yep. and my party killed itself. So that that, that uh, was that was unpleasant at the time, but uh, <laughs> but but I done I, done, I I bounced back. I didn't I didn't lose a, a huge amount of time. There was a save point right before her, but uh but yeah. No, but God, the pun game is so of, strong.
2: Yeah, speaking of the uh Toriyama pointy hair hero, um, how about all the uh, little self-deprecating humor kind of sprinkled throughout when they com when it, like NPCs comment about the hero's hair all the time? And you have a weird hair. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> like that. it's like why is your hair silky instead of pointy? <laughs> <laughs> er- erdwin's hair is pointy as hell he looks he looks like a. I mean he looks like you know a, a fourth version of gohan for dragon ball fighter Z.
3: <laughs> that is definitely a 1990s yeah design
1: uh, okay yeah. Bring, on, bring on dragon quest 12 in
0: what 20 years oh boy um i think i think uh 11 was six years after 10
1: yeah, and and you know, I he's already uh, uh Horizons already said like, "Oh, you know, I'm thinking about making this one very gameplay focused, which says to me character classes. Like, I'm sure that that idea is in his head right now. I'm sure uh, I'm sure
0: he's he has ideas and there's a there's a uh, there's planning documents around, but it's going to be a long time before 20. Oh yeah, uh, it'll be
1: while. Well. Now, and, and the last thing I'll leave everybody with is just a thought. If they said the next Final Fantasy is just <laughs> A turn-based game with a big world, just like Dragon Quest 11. Who let Peter on the podcast? <laughs> no, wouldn't we all be happy? Yes, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't yes, wouldn't mind. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I, I get the Final Fantasy's got to be like the innovative series. I
0: know that argument's been made over and over again, but part of me is
1: like, I think they're overthinking
0: it. Um, I really think they're overthinking it. Final Fantasy always wants to push envelopes, but I think that. The fan response to Dragon Quest XI and Octopath Traveler was so strong that um, Final Fantasy doing a nostalgia exercise that isn't World of Final Fantasy would I think it would be I think it would be well received. Mm -hmm. But I I, but I'm not gonna I have no idea what FF sixteen is gonna look like. I mean I think I think the the defining Final Fantasy experience of the two thousands has been Final Fantasy fourteen but uh yep. which is which, which 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 uh which you know goes into nostalgic uh territory far more than any other game but, uh of the of that of the past couple decades
2: dragon quest eleven um made me feel how i, I think square wanted me to feel about final Fantasy fifteen if mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> um just it just, fifteen just didn't hit the mark uh it didn't get to me like dragon quest eleven did um so seemingly almost effortlessly you know so yeah i would i would absolutely love if. Uh, the next final fantasy kind of went back to the uh, uh the old the old drawing board there stopped trying to reinvent things and make them extreme or whatever um, but that's that's personal opinion i guess
0: I'm just being an ass asking that question. It's all right. Okay. It, well, if we're talking about Final Fantasy 16, then it's definitely the end of the podcast. <laughs> so let's right. go. Let's go into housekeeping. Uh, next week, uh, we have our first Kingdom Hearts episode. We are going to do two Kingdom Hearts episodes in January. I know that uh, Peter is very excited about to talk about that. I'm perhaps less excited. But, and, and also in January, we are going to do an episode not about RPGs that we have not recorded yet, but I'm very excited to do so. And I think we're going to try and wedge in a Virtue's Last Reward episode, because after completing 999 last month, uh, the panelists for that episode, including me, were very eager to move into the sequel. So uh, look forward to that at the end of January. And next month, Alana, uh, you and I are going to be talking some tales.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. i so ready to talk this barrier. Um,
0: Two episodes about Tales of Vesperia, one generalized Tales episode, and our sequel to the Battle Systems episode from December. That is going to be the month of February for Retro Encounter, but we are not prepared to go... Uh, beyond February as to what is going to be on the podcast uh, but how can you reach us listeners You please email us at retro at rpgfan.com with any, with any questions or comments that's the most direct way to reach us you can also comment on RPG Fan boards visit RPG pa- Fan's Facebook page Instagram page, Twitter, Discord stuff on Twitch every evening um, two other podcasts Random Encounter which is about current events and, R- and Rhythm Encounter which is about RPG Fan music all of that can be found on the rpgfan.com main page and please uh, listeners also review us on iTunes, Google Play however you are uh, listening to us we appreciate any feedback that we receive Um, and again thanks for listening to us uh, talk about Dragon Quest 11 for a full 90 plus minutes. And thank you, panelists, for joining me on this. I was really, really eager to talk Dragon Quest 11 with someone, anyone, who, who, would, who would listen. <laughs> and um, uh, a podcast with four other Dragon Quest enthusiasts was the perfect way to do so. And, and thanks, Rob, for coming out of retirement to um, <laughs> to uh, uh, talk Dragon Quest with me again. So, uh panelists, let's tell the listeners the best way to reach us via social media or what have you, starting with Rob Rogan.
2: Uh, you can meet, uh, reach me by email at robr at rpgfan.com or on the RPG pa- fan forums at, well, with the username BeardyMcBeardFace.
0: Next, Alana.
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at AlanaHagues or you can find me on Discord at DivingFalcons.
0: Alright, thank you, Alana. Now, uh, Zach, how can listeners reach you? On Discord at Zach W and also
4: the forums at Zach W.
0: So so uh Rob, how can listeners reach you? Uh They um, can't. I'm invisible. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Rob has no noticeable social media presence to the general public. Sorry, listeners. He he it will is tr- just, he will remain pale Robbie on the boards. It is true. The boards that no one uses, yes. <laughs> And uh, as for me, listeners, uh, you can find me on Twitter as at the Real or at evoker for dogs, depending on how weird I'm being at the moment. I am on the forums as monsoon and on Discord as monsoon Mike. Uh, oh boy, that was a lot of Dragon Quest talk. I'm mean, I'm always down to talk Dragon Quest though. So yeah, uh, listeners, if you want to talk Dragon Quest, just yell at me, please.
1: <laughs> but there that's enough be more Dragon Quest.
0: I, I'm always interested in more Dragon Quest. We're getting Dragon Quest Builders before too long. Or Builders 2 before too long, I should say.
1: I hope that's really good. I, I like the formula of Builders 1. It just needed it, it. needs a little bit of working, and it could be awesome.
0: Uh, listeners, thank you. Good night, and good luck.